Hello, my friend. Have you ever realized how hard it is to sit down and read a book sometimes? I'm here to solve that with Audible Plus. Audible Plus takes the hassle out of all that with over 10,000 titles to choose from, and it literally grows every week. So you'll gain access to a selection of Audible originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including exclusive series for only $7.95 a month. So do me a favor and use that link in my show notes and start your free trial today. Thank you, Audible Plus, for sponsoring my podcast. Hello, hello, my friend. We are back with another Mother Moments Monday. Such a great way to start the week. So good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night whenever you decide to listen to this episode. I'm your host, Jazz Like the Music, or Little Mother, whichever one you prefer. And you guys know that you can keep up with any and everything that I do on my website, that's Mother Knows, M-U-V-A, K-N-O-W-S dot com. Also, in previous episodes, I have talked about having a premium subscription-only episodes. All of my subscribers should get an email shortly or soon um, explaining how that's going to be done. And we're going to just move over onto listener support. I'll give you guys more information about that that will start until next month in March. My, you guys know y'all are my friends and there's literally no such things as strangers to me. So write me anytime on Instagram. That's Lamother, L-I-L dot M-U-V-A. You can Write me, comment, tell me anything that you like, you don't like, what you want to hear. If you ever want to collab on an episode, I'm here for you. This podcast is made for you, specifically for you. But I got super, super exciting news about this episode. This one's going to be different and the thing about that is every episode is unique every episode is different every episode is standalone but with this one i'm giving you guys a little sneak peek i guess you can say i'm showing y'all a little preview of an upcoming podcast that's in the works, and I'll let you know that it's going to be released. It's going to be Mother's Monthly Readings. I don't know about the name yet. we got to figure out that name. But basically, I'm going to be telling you guys about books I read. I'm going to tell you guys once a month about a book. I'm going to tell you all about it. It's not going to be a review. It's kind of like a summary 
I'm gonna say like my opinions and everything for like the end. But with this episode, I'm gonna give y'all a little snippet of it. And uh, if y'all wanna hear more, you know, check out my website, check out my Instagram, and I will keep you updated. So with that being said, I'm going to just begin. Okay, so the book that I'm going to be discussing today is called An Unwanted Guest by Sherry Lapina. I have no idea if I'm saying her last name right, but it's L-A-P-E-N-A, Lapina. And I will say, on this podcast, like these episodes about the books that I read and everything, I'm going to be giving spoilers. I'm going to be giving everything. So it's like, if you don't want to be like spoiled and you want the surprise and everything, just check out the book first. And after that, you can listen to the podcast episode. But I don't want to ruin anything for anyone. And so... I'm just dive deep into books and just talk about like what happened in them and everything. And I'll say my opinions mainly for like the end because I just want to, you know, pass out the information of what's going on in the book because huh, these books will take you through it. The ups, the downs, just all around. But yes, and I'm the one to guess. I'm definitely going to read the back of the book for you guys. And it says... It's winter in the Catskills, and Mitchell's Inn is a perfect setting for relaxing, maybe even romantic, weekend away. It boasts spacious old rooms with huge wood-burning fireplaces in a well-stocked wine cellar, and it's ideal for just curling up with a good murder mystery. So when a blizzard cuts off the electricity and all contact with the outside world, the guests settle in and try to make the best of it. Soon, though... When a guest turns up dead, it looks like an accident. But when a second guest dies, the others start to panic. Within a snowed-in paradise, something or someone is picking off the guests one by one, and there's nothing they can do but hunker down and hope they can survive the storm in one another. So, super excited about this one. Um... It definitely wasn't what I expected, but we'll get into that definitely at the end. It has a lot of different plot twists. Um, I will say when I was reading, I definitely had an idea in mind, and it did. It wasn't the idea at the end. Like the plot twist was what I did expect, and I read so many different true crimes and like murder mysteries type of situations that I always feel like I can guess it pretty good. But this one, this one definitely, I didn't guess the end. So, the book starts off introducing all the different guests, and we're just trying to figure out why they're there. And it starts off with Gwen and Riley. So, Gwen and Riley are both photographers, but Gwen, she went the corporate route. And Riley, she went a different route. She went to like the war zones in Afghanistan and everything like that. 
So she is a bit like, you know, rattled from the stuff that she's seen. So in the beginning, it just tells basically how they're wanting this weekend trip for like their friendships, just like a little girl's trip to like reconnect them and everything. And then after that, we have David Pulley, who's basically a old criminal defense attorney who's trying to get away from New York City for a little bit. He doesn't want to think about his work for a whole weekend. And that's the thing. Everybody's just here for a full 48 hours. That's the thing. And then after that, we have Ian and Lauren, who's a couple. And on their way there, keep in mind, like, the weather is horrible. It's like snowing, basically like blizzard, crazy weather. But Ian's driving in the snow. He's going, doing pretty good and everything. Heading to Mitchell's Inn. And so while they're driving, they see Gwen and Riley on the side of the road in a ditch. And Lauren and Ian got out the car and they were like, are you okay? Like, where are you guys going? And Gwen and Riley were like, we're going to Mitchell's Inn. So then we're all like, okay, let's get in the car. Let's go ahead and head there because there's nothing going to get done to your car right now. It's too crazy. The roads are bad. So let's just go ahead and get you into a safe place, right? Um, and then there's Matthew and Dana. They're, they're a beautiful couple. Matthew comes from a lot of money, like old money. And so like Dana is his wife. She is so beautiful. Well, his fiance about to be his wife. The reason why they chose this place is because it's like secluded, very intimate. They don't have to worry about a lot of people around them. And that was their main thing. And so think of this, think of Mitchell's Inn as like back in the day, old school, a fireplace. There's like a, you know, a Doris person, but the key, you can see the keys behind them. It gives that kind of feel where it's like a lot of wood, but it's not like the tacky kind. It's like the, the sophisticated, cute, like cozy. Like a nice Airbnb is the best way we can like think of it. And then we have Henry and Beverly. Their relationship is just a little bit, you know, on the rocks. They decided to come in for the weekend to basically rekindle their relationship. And Beverly's just wondering, like, you know, what is this weekend going to come about? Like, what's going to happen? Because she hates how much they argue all the time. Like, they, she feels like they kind of don't have any substance without the kids and stuff. And Henry just seemed, like, so distracted. He was just like, okay, whatever. And he's honestly not even sure why he agreed to the weekend away. He was just like, perhaps it's just like guilt. But he regretted it instantly. And he wanted to go home. And he has like little moments where like he'll fantasize about like getting back in the car and leaving his wife at the end by herself. And he just know like she's so unhappy lately. And he's like, can't make her happy. But he feels like she's responsible for her own happiness as well. 
So it's just, it's complicated. But one thing he specifically says as he's introduced as a character says, I just know I don't love her anymore. So it's completely opposite of like Matthew and Dana who are like madly in love and everything like that. So after we get done introducing all the characters, oh, the last one is Candace. Candace is, she's a writer. Um, she's using this weekend to basically get away, to write a book, to get away from like the writer's box and everything like that. Um, she has to take care of her mother back at home, which that's not super it is important to the story, but not super important to the main story. But just know that she has a mother back at home that she takes care of, and that's why it's important for this weekend. She's alone and everything like that. And so as the guests are coming in, they realize this guy named Bradley is in the front. He's like the um, the key person or like the, the guest keeper. I don't even know the word for it. But he's just like the person who gives the get. He checks the people in and stuff. And so Bradley's just like, hey, how you doing to everybody and stuff. And so David was, you know, automatically thinking like, oh, my God, this man is young. And David's like, how old are you? Are you like 21? And Bradley's like, no, actually 22. So he has like a cutesy, like, you know, demeanor and everything like that. He tells everybody like, hey, dinner's gonna be ready at seven o'clock, but I am gonna let you know with the weather and everything being like this, we're short staff. So it's just like me and my dad, but we'll get you guys taken care of. You have nothing to worry about. And if you guys wanna make yourself, you know, at home in the lobby, I'll pull out the drink cart and then we can make you guys some drinks and stuff. So this lobby has a huge fireplace and you know, it's really comfy, cozy for them to be able to just, you know, relax and everything like that. Uh, also, um, Bradley has a dad, which is the other person who's helping him, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But at this point, everybody's just, you know, introducing each other to each other and everything like that. And Bradley was just telling him, like, hey, the hotel is full. We only have, like, there's only 12 rooms that's in this, um, in, in Mitchell's Inn but only six of them are going to be occupied for the weekend. It's like a lot of people had canceled because of the snow. And like I said, the staff and like the housekeeper and everything like that were not able to make it. So it's just basically them. There's nobody else to be expected. So everybody's in a place now. So at this point, everybody's, you know, getting to know each other, of course, by the fire. They're just talking and everything. And Ian discovers that, you know, David is, you know, a criminal defense attorney, and especially from New York City. So he's just asking him so many questions, like, what's the most interesting case you've ever worked on? Um, is there anything I've ever written in the papers? Like, what's going on? Or, you know, like that. And Lauren is, you know, jumping in as well. So David's playing this like whole cool guy, mysterious demeanor. He's just like, mm, I've defended people. And he and Ian's like, well, how many? And he's just like, many. And he's like, 
well, have you ever been on TV? And he's like, I don't watch TV. And so he's just like dodging questions and everything like that. And he's just like, well, do you feel like you're good at your job? And they was like, I do my best. So it's just, you know, you can tell he's just not going to give off a lot of information about himself. And so he's just like, my job is to represent any accused to the best of my ability. He's like so like big on that, which is really great. Gwen is like watching him at the same time. and But Gwen is like right beside, of course, Riley. I mean, Riley is drinking wine, but like she's drinking it like water on a hot day. She's just throwing it back. And the thing is, Gwen doesn't drink that much, but Riley, she just keeps chugging and chugging and chugging. And so Gwen like try to whisper in her ear a little bit like, hey, you know, slow down a little bit. Because, like I said before, Riley has, like, this dazed look always. And she's, like, a fragile, timid. And the people who don't know her look at her and think something's wrong with her. And um, they because they don't know about her past or anything like that, which we'll get into that. That is going to be important later on in the story. Uh, at this point, all the guests are getting ready for dinner. Everybody's going down and probably freshening up and stuff like that. And so, of course, they notice, like, there's books everywhere. Like, instead of being, like, you know, a chocolate and mint on the pillows, like a random book or whatever like that. And Bradley was like, yeah, I like to do that because we do have an extensive library upstairs. People really love it. You guys should really check it out. And that's just, like, one of the comforts of being here. And then um, Bradley had mentioned that it's super cool in the summertime and everything like that because Dana had said, hey, I want to come back here in the summer. And then Bradley was mentioning that there's this really cool ice house. And they're like, what is that? And it's like basically like this outbuilding made entirely of ice and snow. Uh, but they made it into like a bar and everything's carved from ice the bar, the shelves, the stools, even. And, like, there's, like, some sculptures and everything right there. And so everybody's like, oh, my God. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to get the leaf blower out. And I'm definitely going to uh, let you guys see it tomorrow. But for tonight, we're just going to worry about eating and stuff like that. And so at this point, everybody's just kind of, like, looking around at each other. They're talking, but everybody's looking around at each other. And Bradley announces that Candace is upstairs. She's writing a book. So she probably won't want to be bothered for the whole weekend. But like he said previously, like there's nobody else to be expected to come and stuff. And so, of course, everybody's kind of like looking at Riley a little bit. It's just like, you know, what's up with her? And Lauren definitely whispers to Ian um, about her. She's been feeling that way since they picked them up in the car. But she's like being a little bit more verbal probably because they've been drinking a little bit more. But Lauren was looking at Dana and like, it was just something about her. She just didn't like her. She was like, she just took an instant dislike to the, like the whole couple. And she didn't know if it's because she was pretty. She didn't know it's because like how she's like throwing a big diamond ring around. And she was just like, it glistens every time she dresses her hair. It's just like everything about her is so shiny and bright and all that. So 
she just doesn't like them. I don't know if it's because her marriage is like in the rocks and it's just like looking at that. It's like, oh, that's what I could be and stuff. But, mm-hmm. but the thing is, at the same time she's doing this, Candace comes downstairs to join them for dinner, which kind of surprised everybody. But Candace like, is like staring at David for some reason. And like Lauren is thinking that Candace might like David, but other people looking at Candace is thinking like, hmm, it's a weird kind of look she's giving him or whatever. It can't like put her finger on it. It was a weird moment during a dinner where it was like a loud thump and Dana was like, oh my God. And then like Bradley was like, that's just a snow sign off, you know, it makes a loud noise. And then Dana was just like, wow, that's insane. It literally sounded like a freaking body slap off the roof. It's, it's crazy and everything. And um, they proceeded on. And then at this point, they're all kind of doing their own little things. So David decides to go to the library. And Gwen goes up there. And it's just like a, you know, a casual conversation, just filling each other out and everything like that. And, um, Gwen was saying, like, I just remembered you were saying that you were going to go to the library, so I just wanted to come up here. And so they were just talking about how to, like, murder mysteries, and, you know, just had a cute little moment. Meanwhile, Henry and Beverly are, you know, in their rooms together and everything, and Beverly is just like, we came here together, why does it not feel like we're here together? And Henry is just like, I'm just tired. I'm sorry, babe, and everything. And she's just like, you don't seem interested. And he was just like, maybe it's late. And she's just like, he can't mean it. Like, and at this point, you know, she's about to cry. She's hurt. She feels embarrassed. And the thing is, like, she's in this, like, cute, like, film kind of gown. That's, like, literally not hiding anything. But now she just feels like, why did I do this? Because she just bought it a couple of weeks ago. In hopes, you know, like, you know, rekindling the flame and stuff. And she just kept rehearing that maybe it's too late and stuff. And she just randomly goes, like, what do you mean? And he was just like, we haven't been happy for a long time. And so, you know, of course, it's just crusher. She's just like looking at him like, what do you mean? And she just feels like how... She feels like she's close to losing everything, so she's just not, not messing with it. So she's just kind of just want to, like, not talk about it anymore. But, like, at the same time, she's like, okay, like, I just want some coffee. She's like, okay, I wonder what time, like, you know, Bradley will wake up to, like, you know, you know, accommodate for that. But everybody here is screaming. So Riley heard a scream, and she's just like, okay, what was that? But then she had like a little inter-dialogue of, hey, sometimes I do hear screaming before I go to bed, so I don't know if it was real or not. And then Gwen comes in the room, and um, she's like, did you hear the scream? And then David heard a scream. He jumps out of bed and stuff. And so he runs out of his room, and basically looks down the staircase and then he sees like a body 
keep in mind like Henry Beverly and everybody's like basically coming up like behind them and he's like he's yelling down like what happened and then James it was like I don't know which James is the dad James is Bradley's dad and James was like I don't know it looked like she fell down the steps and then David comes like close to it and it was like this is like crazy but Lauren you know was trying to find a pulse and she was like, I can't find one. And then, like, David was like, it looked like she'd been there for a minute. And he was like, I don't get why she's out of her room. Like, it doesn't make sense. And then she had, like, this gash on the side of her head. And the blood was, like, on, the, like, the bottom of the step. And so he was like, mm, somebody need to tell Matthew and everything. And so he was like, well, James was like, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. We better call the police. And they was like, well, the power is out and everything, so, like, what can we do? And everybody's, like, confused. Like, how is there, how is there no electricity? But they was like, you have to understand, like, the snowstorm, it knocked everything out. And so, at this point, everybody's, like, spooked because of, there's a dead body. And it's Dana's dead body. I forgot to mention that statement. That's why they was like, um... We need to go get Matthew. And so Matthew's like hysterical and everything like that. He's just like, you know, crying and stuff. And then like he wants to go see her. And David's like, you know, don't touch her. Like we really don't need to touch anybody. So then they just put like a white sheet over her. And like it's literally what you're thinking. They just put a white sheet over her. And then the rest of the story I'm telling you, they're just going to proceed throughout their day. Just keep in mind, she's just under a white sheet at the end of the staircase. Mm, of course, at this point, everybody's just like on an edge trying to figure out what happened. They all look like, is it an accident? Is it not? It doesn't look like an accident. The day is just like, just listen to me. Just trust me until the police get here and everything like that. And so um, Candace is basically kind of announcing that like Matthew was from like old money. And he is like from the most prominent and wealthy families in England. So, you know, if anybody didn't know that, she was basically kind of like, you know, making it known and stuff. At the same time, uh, David definitely recommends that Matthew just literally stays in his room the entire time because he's just like, we we don't, you know, we don't want anything to happen or whatever like that. And it's just like weird vibes right now. So just stay in here, just like, you know, save your butt. And so you don't have to worry about anything. So there's like a moment where Henry gets like so frustrated and everything like that because he's just like, my phone don't work. I had no reception or anything like that. And then like, I just feel stir crazy. So he just runs out. And of course he didn't get far. And then everybody kind of feels sorry for him, but they can feel that he's just not wanting to be here and everything. So it's just like, you know, awkward vibes, kind of. Like, after all that commotion of, like, you know, him coming back in and all that, him isn't like Harry, I mean, Henry. He, uh, Bradley just basically was like, how about we just get you preoccupied by getting you to, like, get the leaf blower and, like, help with the ice house and stuff like that. And so at the same time, you know, he's getting that done. And 
Laura's like, okay. And so she's like pacing around and she's just like, oh, he left his jacket so I could like sneak and get his phone. So she very subtly just walks over to his jacket, like near the fireplace, just do a couple steps, a couple steps, grab it, and then go back upstairs. So then she starts reading it. And like when she read it, it was insane. It was talking about how, oh, first, it took her a minute to find out the press code, but she ended up figuring it out. But Henry's openly cheating on her with a girlfriend, and he's talking to his girlfriend about his wife. He's like, yeah, this nag and everything like that. And so just like basically talking so bad onto her. And he's just like, I hate that I even have to like go away this uh, weekend and everything like that. I miss you. And so at the same time, she's like, okay, I'm done reading all this stuff. And she's hurt, but she's like, I need to hold up face and I need to go down there and put it back. So she's trying to figure out like how to put, you know, the phone back and like whole face and everything. And of course, when she go down there, he sees, he's back and he sees like her face. And he was like, I already retraced my steps. I know my phone isn't here. I know she has to have it. And so she just basically was like, oh, I have to go away with the hack for the weekend. And then he didn't even look at her and she's just like, you know, this is just a phase. You can't run up by somebody like young or whatever like that. And he, she was like, you know what? Matter of fact, you can't. You can. It's going to be fabulous. Move into her apartment. And she was like, you know, buy yourself a freaking car. No more van for you because you don't have the kids or anything like that. Um, he was like, she was like, oh, it'll be just sex, standards, vacation, no obligation. You're going to be young again. And then all of a sudden, a nickel down. She's like, you'll miss me and the kids. Henry, don't destroy what we have. Forget her. And she just like thinking like this is like the moment of he needs to choose me anything, you know, choose me. And he didn't really say anything or anything like that. And she just kept saying like, just think it through. And at this point, like Candace, she's basically Candace is just always in her own world because she's so focused on this book and stuff like that. But like. At this point, she's feeling a little frustrated because, like, her laptop is about to die. So she's like, oh, my God. And I didn't print off the physical paper copy of my book. So I got to figure out, like, what to do. So then she's just like, you know what? I'm going to just go around and get, like, the pens and papers from, like, you know, everywhere or whatever like that. And so she's just like, I'm going to just gather them all up so I can have a whole lot of different, like, papers. You know, for, like, the rooms and everything like that. So she's like, okay, I'm going to just go... Um, to the top floor or the third floor and just you know make my way through there so like at this point and like exactly like at the same time everybody's like okay let's just go to that ice house and stuff like that so everybody's like yeah and keep in mind like Gwen is in like la la lovey land over um david she just keep like looking at him from a distance like yes we just did well we don't know exactly what they did we just know like they followed around and like we, bodies were touching and everything but um, they were just talking about, like, how beautiful and everything like that it is. And, like, everybody's just, everybody's just, like, um, loving it. And so Bradley's, you know, playing host and everything, just making sure everybody's drinking good. And, like, 
when I get some mama, she's just like, I, I just want Candace to be able to see this. Like she, I know she really enjoyed this ice house and everything. And Bradley's like, yeah, I agree. So then Bradley goes to find her. He's like, I can't find her. Like, whatever. Then he tries to look again. And then when he goes up, he sees Candace lying on the floor with her scarf pulled tightly around her neck. And so at this point, everybody's just like, oh, my God. Like, this is crazy because, like, there's no doubt this is not an accident. Somebody literally strangled her. Like, this is insane. And so, um, they're just trying to, like, figure out what the heck is even going on and stuff like that. And Dave was like, you know, everybody need to get back. Nobody touch her or anything like that. And, like, Lauren is, like, you know, still distraught. And she's just like, okay, is she okay? Like, no, it's, it's terrifying and everything like that. And they're just like, you know, still got to leave the body alone. You know, like, at this point, Henry's having this dark thought of, like, I wish it was my wife. Like, I wish it was just her. Like, what couldn't have been her or whatever like that. And so David is just like, you know what? We just need to go ahead and just search the hotel. We need to make sure because this is weird because the room that Candace is in is locked. So how did that happen? And they were like, maybe she answered her door, but they was like, yeah, that's possible. But the position of the body, she had to know, like, she had to answer the door and walk from the person. It had to be some type of trust. So they just like, we just got to, you know, figure something out. So like, literally at this point, I'm like, okay, let's search everything. They're splitting up into teams and stuff like that. Some people stay like down, some people go up and everything like that, like, you know, to look around. Even Matthew. At this point, Matthew was like, okay, I'm I'm literally going with y'all too, and I'm going to, you know, check everything. And so they're checking all the rooms and stuff, and they did see this one room where the bed was just a tad bit messed up, and it was like just a little bit of water in it. So they're like, are you sure there's no other guests in this place? And Bradley I was like, I'm so sure this and that. And so... um they're like, what about the housekeeper? Like, did she forget to clean this room? They're like, this place is so small. There's no way she, you know, forgot. There's no way. And so they start searching each other's room and everything like that. And they start thinking, like, we don't even know what to find. We don't even know what we're looking for. Like, you know, they found, like, some sleeping pills in, like, Lauren's room. They're ambient, which means, you know, she sleeps really. She uh, needs, like, strong sleeping pills, basically. That's what it is. And so they're just trying to, you know, get to the bottom of it. And keep in mind, like, this is a side note. I'm speeding through all the details and everything like that. Um, when this actual podcast episode, the new podcast um, premieres, I would definitely get into more detail, give you more of, like, I will break it down more. But right now, I'm just cruising through everything just so you guys can get an idea of what to expect. Just, like, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm not giving you like crazy, crazy details. Like I really want to just to save time and space. But when that time comes, I'm blowing you guys up and I'm literally going to tell you from start to finish the color of this, the size of this, everything. Okay. But enough about that. So they get, they get done searching the entire hotel or in, in the 
they're just like at this point we're gonna run like accusing each other like who did it why and everything like that they're like what about james and bradley i see you guys whispering and stuff like that and they're like no they own the place like they have too much to lose and it just you know doesn't make any sense And of course, in the midst of like accusing each other, they're like just making these crazy conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And previously, I forgot to mention that Riley doesn't like David. And it's a little bit because the Gwen and David situation, but as well as before she's ending the night with him. After the library photo session or whatever, Riley was like, don't do it. Don't. Something about him. I don't know why. I don't know how I recognize him or whatever. But keep in mind, there's no way she can look him up or anything. So she's just like, just trust me. So then at this point, she's just like, forget it. I'm, I'm just going to be like, let's all tell who, we, who each other are. Like, what's really going on? And so um, he was like, yeah, Riley, you're weird. What's going on? And she goes, just. Hey, I've been through a lot. I was hell hostage. Um, I was in Afghanistan. I've seen dead body parts on the street and everything. Like, I'm just, it's PTSD and stuff. And then, like, after they got done, like, hassling her for a little bit, they ended up going to David because Riley whispered into his ear, was like, I know who you are. And she was like, you killed your wife. We were charged with it. And he was like arrested and cleared and she was like it is you then like i knew it was you and he was just like the charges were dropped and everything um but lauren is just like screaming it's like your wife was murdered like what the fuck and they was like it wasn't by me or whatever and so um riley was like but y'all don't know the story because like y'all heard about it because he's like super respected in new york city but he came home like one night and he found his wife laying in a pool of blood and it was like in a, like an upscale home in like a suburb and stuff and she was beaten to death her head was bashed in her back was broken and keep in mind he came home for nearly an hour and didn't call and she uh was insured for a million dollars so you can see how guilty that looks but keep in mind like he's a good lawyer so of course he's gonna know good other good lawyers and stuff like that so at this point everybody's just looking at him like this is weird this doesn't make any sense or anything like that like mm -mm. so like at this point everybody's just like in a frenzy of like tell me who you are this and that or whatever but so riley was like lauren like what's up with the sleeping pills like who are you like why she's just like i have you know trouble sleeping i've always had um that's just how I am. And then like Gwen is thinking it to herself, like, I'm the only one who really haven't told like my dark, deep dark secret or whatever like that. And then um, of course Gwen tells Riley to like fuck off and everything like that. And so at the same time, while they're still in the lobby and everything, Matthew was just like sitting close to the fire playing with the gun that they found in his room when they were searching the whole entire end and he was like yeah this is just i just always carry my gun like i don't go anywhere without it he started getting a little stir crazy he was like you know what i'm gonna go look around like there gotta be something and david follows behind not immediately but he definitely does like follows behind 
and stuff. And he's just like calling out his name and everything like that. And, you know, well, David is trying to call out Matthew's name, trying to figure out, you know, where he's at and everything. The next thing you know, Matthew just feels like a presence. He's like, stops breathing. He's just trying to figure out, like, what does he see? What does he feel or whatever? And all of a sudden, you hear a sound of gunfire. And downstairs, Riley freaks the fuck out. She just starts running. She literally runs. She goes outside and she doesn't stop. And they're like, where did she go? Whatever. And he's like, she's in like a panic, manic state. Like, we have to find her. She's not going to stop running or whatever like that. And keep in mind, like, it's a snowstorm. She hasn't even put on any clothes. So she's just in her, like, regular, probably like some, you know, lounge clothes. Not even like a jacket or anything for like a snowstorm. And so, like, basically everybody, like, runs uh, to go get her but keep in mind that david and matthews is still like around the end and henry and beverly decided to like stay in the lobby i was like during the time like henry and um henry and beverly was like by the fireplace because you know they stayed inside he was having like thoughts of like he had like the fire little pit thing in his hand he's like i could just bash her head in and nobody would ever know and stuff like that but in the same time matthew finally found david i mean david finally found matthew and he was like give me back that gun you don't need to be doing that or whatever and so um they finally came back into the uh inn and like the lobby they're like, we still can't find Riley. We don't know, you know, where she's at or anything like that. And they're asking Gwen, like, where would she go? And they're like, we don't know. And then all of a sudden, they're like, where is Bradley? And then they're like, I don't know. And so they say no. They end up walking around and everything like that. And then they see, like, an indentation in the snow. And David feel for a pull up. They see Bradley in the ground, on the ground, and David feels for a pulse and everything like that, but Bradley's clearly dead. And then James is, like, breaking down, crying and everything like that. And then Lauren is, like, crying before she, like, can reach them and stuff. She's just like, you know, what's going on? And David's like, stay back and everything like that. He's like, just, like, me and Matthew, maybe James, like, take him back to the ice house and everything. We can't keep him out here, but we'll keep him in the ice house until, like, the police come. And everything like that. So he's the only body that they've actually moved around and everything. And so uh, at this point, they're still, you know, feeling weird and everything like that about Riley not being around. They're just like, I don't know what's happening to her. And of course, at this point, we go back to where we always go. We're in the lobby. Everybody's accusing each other again. Like, it's you, it's you, are you lying, this and that. All of a sudden, Henry's just like, Let's kill Ian. He did it. And he's just like so, um, so fixated on that. Then they're all like, no, stop that. And David's like, you need to calm down and chill and everything like that. Then all of a sudden, Henry's eyes just start fluttering and he starts having like a dream, like a weird, unpleasant dream that he's like, he's paralyzed. And it's like, he can't move. And the thing is, he was like, I've had this dream before. And, of course, it's symbolic. But 
it never seemed to be real. And he was like, I can't move my arms, my legs, my fingers, my toes, my tongue. I don't even know like the thickness of my mouth and everything. And at that moment, he realized something was wrong. And he's like, he's been sleeping, but it's not a dream. And he tried to speak. He can't open his mouth. He can't swallow. He can't even see anything. It's like a black film is over his eyes and everything. And it's like, he's unable to do anything like that. And the crazy thing is his sense of smell is still working. And he can like still smell like the logs burning in the fireplace. And he just realized like, oh, damn, like the murder has got me too. And of course, in all good nature, the electricity come back on right at this moment. And everybody's, you know, yelling, hooping and hollering and everything like that. And then they realize Henry's not moving. They're like, wait, what in the world? And then, let's call the police. Like, this is just too much and everything. So they end up calling, like, the sergeant. And they were like, it's been, like, a homicide. We need you there. And she was like, okay, I need Paris and Wilcox to come. Get us the snowmobiles. We're going to come because it's a triple homicide. And so she gets there and she's just like, okay, what's everybody's name? And she heard David's name. She's like, okay, tell me who everybody is. And so she's just basically like, okay, everybody stay in the lobby and I'm just going to like start asking people questions and I'm going to go around and like figure it out. So then she's looking around, of course. So she's seeing everything. She's like, she sees like the dead bodies and everything like that. And she's like, wow, this is crazy. Like all this stuff going on. She's like, I need to see where um, Bradley was killed too and everything like that. And so at this point, she's like, okay, I'm going to start asking people questions. But like before she like truly began asking questions, they were still outside. And of course they found Riley. And it's like little cubby behind like this rock thing, like mint up, she's frozen to death. Um, so they go back inside, and of course they tell Gwen, Gwen like hysterically cried. And so the first interview was with James. And so of course James looks terrible and everything like that. She's like, I'm sorry about Bradley. And she was like, I know this might be like difficult to talk about, but like, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I know Bradley had his problems, like Back in the day, he liked money and what it could buy, and he didn't want to work too hard for it. I know he's like, you know, a good kid, but like the drugs. I know he ran in the wrong crowd. And then James was like, he wouldn't do anything bad. And then, like, um, the sergeant was like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, what if he saw something? What if he saw who did it? he know who did it or something like that. And so he was like, I truly just don't believe it was him. Like, yeah, he was done with, like, the drugs and everything like that, but, like, no. And so she was asking him about, like, room 302, which is the one that had, like, the messed up bed and everything. And he was just like, I don't know about that. Um, I don't know why it wasn't made up properly. There's nobody else in here. And he was just saying, like, I think one of the guests is the killer. Like, that's just literally what I... Think I don't have nobody else I think came in here or anything like that and she was just asking like have you have you ever met like Candace or Dana or anything like that and at the same time she started she was like okay you can go back so she brought Beverly in and she was like I'm so sorry about your husband and like Beverly's crying and everything like that 
And Sergeant was like, I don't know the cause of death. It looks like he died of natural causes. And, um, but of course, you know, they're going to check it out and stuff like that. And so she was basically asking questions like, um, who do you think it is or whatever? And Beverly's like, Ian, because he just had a weird look on his face. Like, I don't know. She was like, he's probably like a psychopath or something like that. And um, she's like, you should just ask Lauren more about him and everything like that. And so Gwen was next, and Gwen was asked a question, mainly about Riley. And the sergeant was like, you know, she just died due natural cause. I mean, due. Um, you know, the weather and everything like that. And so then the sergeant bring in Matthew. And he was like, she was like, um, do you have a reason to kill your fiance? He's like, what? No, we're good and everything like that. And he was like, yeah, we stressed out about the wedding and like my family um, did exactly like like her, but it wasn't enough to end anything or anything like that. He was like, he was just frustrated. That's why we needed this like weekend to get away so that we can kind of like get away from the stress of wedding and family and everything. And so, at this point, she asked for Lauren to come back, and she was just like, are you okay? And she was like, you're the one who, like, found Dana's body and everything like that, so, um, you know, what's going on? And she was like, like, did you touch her or anything? And she was like, yeah, I felt for a pulse. And um, she, Lauren said that David thought it wasn't an accident. And so... She's just like, who do you think it is? Do you think it's possible for Ian to do it? She's like, I don't know. I don't know what anybody's capable of anymore. So at this point, you know, anybody could have been anything. And so, of course, Sergeant asked, does she know Dana or Candace? And Lauren's like, no, of course not. I don't know them. Um, so at this point, of course, she called David back in there and she was like, I know who you are. He was like, Okay, I'm David. She was like, I know, but what about the crime? You killing your wife or whatever? He's like, that's not important now. And she goes, okay, but Candace was writing a book. And what if she was writing a book about you? Because she loves true crime and everything like that. And so he was like, I don't think that's a thing. And then Sergeant was like, well, it doesn't matter. Um, it's only a matter of time before we get her laptop and like, you know, figure out exactly what she was talking about and everything like that. And so at the same time, the sergeant is thinking like the police, because of course she's a police, but like the back of like the coroner and thing like that come in. She's just like, I can't wait for them to come in, but she had to wait for the snow to like die down just a little bit. And at this time, like, of course, time passed and everything like that. It's like Sunday afternoon at this point and everything. And so, um, she hears like you know machinery so she's like oh you know they gotta be they gotta be like on our way they gotta be close and stuff so then they finally come yay and the sergeant is absolutely happy and so the technicians and everything are coming around like taking pictures and of course they can't move the body yet or anything like that um, but they're just like getting an idea of the crime scene and so one of the techs been down 
and you said some tweezers and they end up getting like a small diamond earring from like Dana. And so they're like, it looked like a woman. And so they, you know, of course, put in an evidence bag and everything like that. And so, uh, Kirsten Sergeant goes up to like Ian and was like, I got a couple more questions for you. And she was like, have you ever seen this earring before? And whatever, I don't know. It's like, he was looking so weird. Like whatever he expected, it wasn't that. And so she was like, do you recognize this? And he was like, it's Lauren's. I mean, it looks like the one she's wearing. And the sergeant was like, when was the last time you see her wearing it? And then he was like, where did you find it? And of course there's no answer. And then, it was like Ian was like, well, she was wearing the pair yesterday, I think. And the sergeant was like, you think? And then he said she was wearing them yesterday. And then uh, sergeant was like, okay. And then she was like, did you notice when she stopped wearing them? He was like, no. All of a sudden, the sergeant was like, Lauren Day, you are under arrest for the murder of Bradley Harwood. And then everybody's just looking like, what the heck? And then like, and they had like a whole scene of people just like turning around like hmm and then everybody's thinking like what possible reason could she have and everything like that and so everybody's like why did you kill her and everything like that and she's not saying anything and so of course you know at this point everybody's like super shook so this is when we found out exactly what really happened um of course, Ian had invited Lauren up for the weekend to, you know, talk and, like, hang out and, like, you know, loving each other and everything. She never thought that any of this was going to happen. But Dana made a comment saying, it sounds like someone fell off the roof. And so that's when she realized who she knew who Dana is. Dana used to be known as Danny when Lauren knew her, which is, like, 15 years ago. Um, Danny used to be like this mean girl, super rough looking. Um, and now she's like completely opposite, like feminine, polished. But of course, this past is like something that nobody knows about and everything. Like Matthew doesn't know about it. Um, Ian doesn't know about it. And they were at this like awful, horrible group home. And so like it was to the point where the food was edible. They had like six people to share one bathroom. It was just like horrible. And during this time, like Lauren was overweight and like Danny or Dana, whichever one you want to call her, it's like more skinnier and everything like that. And so there was this one boy who had came in um, whose parents had overdosed and he was an orphan now and everything like that. Uh, Danny was like making fun of him. His name was Lucas. And so, for some reason, Lucas just decided to say, like, start talking back about Lauren because of, uh, you know, it was just the, the best way. He was, like, the easier person to talk about. Lauren got mad and pushed him off the roof. And at this point, you know, they looked down. He wasn't moving. Like, he was, like, dead. And, of course, like, the group home assumed, like, he fell or jumped because, like, he was a troubled boy like, his parents was just, like, drug addicts and stuff like that. And, like, literally shortly after that, Dana already left. So it was kind of like, you know, 
kind of forgotten. Um, and the thing is, okay, when Lauren left, like, you know, her mom came and picked her up. Her dad was gone. And then, like, her mother remarried. Her stepfather had finally adopted her. She changed her name. And so when she seen Danny at Mitchell's Inn, she didn't even recognize her at all. But until that moment, she made that comment because she kept staring at her. But that night, Lauren, technically, she really didn't take her sleep pills. She went into Ian's sleep, and then she was quiet. And then she uh, slipped out of her own room. She knocked a little bit on Dana's door, and then Dana walked out. She was like, what? And Lauren's like, I want to talk to you about something. And she was like, not here, but, you know, just down there. And uh, Lauren's like, I just want to clarify a few things. And Dana was basically like, what is it? What do you want to clarify? I'm not going to tell anybody you're a murderer. And Lauren got a little mad. She was like, shut up. You you can't push me around anymore and everything. And so Dana was like, um, you haven't changed or anything like that. And then Lauren's like, I don't think you want Matthew to find out about your past. And Dana was like, well, my past can be weird, but at least I'm not a criminal. And so at this point, she's just like, they're edging each other on and stuff. And so she pushed her down steps and she was trying to get her story ready and everything like that. And she just made sure that nobody was around anything like that. She took her head and gashed it and hit it on the bottom step. So it looked like it was an accident because, um, they just didn't want the thing. She didn't want to make, she didn't want Dana to still be alive. So she was just basically taking that self safety precaution thing or whatever like that. And then after that, she, uh, made a scream, but the first scream was actually when Dana had failed. And that's the one that people, um, Riley thought she heard, but then the second was, was the one that everybody heard and he came downstairs. And so um, at this point, like, you know, David was like, that's a murder. It wasn't an accident. And so uh, she was like, you know what? I can still get away with it and everything like that because nobody knew the connection between them. But then after lunch, she found a note in her book, the book that she left in a lobby after breakfast. And she took that book upstairs and opened it and it was like a little small paper. Um, and it wasn't folded, it was like with her bookmark, and it was written in it, and it said, I saw what you did to Dana, but it was in like all capital, capitalized letters, so you could kind of like hide the, your real writing, I guess, and so um, she was just trying to figure it out, because she was like, Candace had that book at one point in time, so it was Candace trying, like, trying to blackmail me, and stuff, so then that's when she was just like, um, she just got to get rid of Candace. And she already noticed that Candace was wearing that silk scarf that morning. So she already had this like planned out. And so, um, basically when she was, when everybody was like going in the lobby, Candace went to the front desk and got the keys and went in there and basically killed her. And she didn't let go until she was like completely sure she was like dead. That's how Candace went to the front desk. I meant Lauren went to the front desk and she noticed the indentation that um, 
Bradley had to know about it because she seen like the invitation from the note and everything. So she was like, okay, this is my perfect moment to, you know, figure out how to kill him. And then Riley ended up uh, running off. And so she, she was like, okay, let's do it now. And so at that time she realized she lost her earring. And so she went ahead and took it off and put it in like the end table. And she felt like it was like, you know, super smart to do that because like with the other people, there's reasons why she has DNA. Like she was so careful to make sure that she touched Dana and she was careful to make sure she shared Candace, especially like unwrapping a scarf, like when she was crying and everything like that. And she was like, okay, that'd be the reason why the evidence could be tainted because, you know, of course I touched them. And so the thing about it is like, the main thing she kept saying was like, I know they probably found the earring and that um, Ian is the one who like identified it because she, she didn't know when exactly like she had lost the earring or whatever like that, but she was just kind of hoping it, it was like Darren Bradley. And so um, the main thing is she was just like, there's no reason why I'm linked to these people. At least they don't know. So why would they ever like expect me and stuff? And so at this point, they ended up uh, getting Candace's lot, uh, laptop. And of course, she was just basically writing a romance novel. So they had rattled everybody up about that for no reason and stuff. And so at the end, Gwen was asking David, like, hey, did you even know it was uh, Lauren? He was like, yeah. It was just something about her always being around, um, trying to touch you know, all the things and everything like that, like all the people and everything. I just didn't trust her. That's why when Bradley died, I was like, stay away from him. Um, And David was like, I suspected Bradley knew what was going on. And that's why he was killed for it. And he was like, I just think Lauren's just like a psychopath. That's just clearing on what it is. And at the same time, Beverly's walking down. She's like super sad and everything like that. She's like, like crying and everything. Then all of a sudden she has a moment of being like, wow, during the time when we were searching for rooms and stuff, it's a good thing that I took so many pills, so many of Lauren's pills and put them in my pocket. So she crushed them up. And while after Henry did that big like fiasco, while he was doing that, she slid it into his drink. And she didn't know if it was gonna kill him or not. She was hoping it did, it did. And in the end, she was like, well, at the end of the day, they won't think I killed him because it's Lauren's sleeping pills and Lauren killed everybody else. So, hey. And that is the end of An Unwanted Guest. Keep in mind, um, I will keep you guys updated with future episodes. So let me know what y'all think. Um, like I said, I did breeze through this a little bit. I didn't give as many like small details that I wanted to and I didn't mention everything just for the sake of time. But with that being said, my friends, enjoy your day.